I'll go get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We're two landscape designers who have been working in the field for well over 25 years. Well over 25 years. And through this podcast, we're going to bring to you our knowledge and our challenges. Our foibles and lots of stories, lots of lots of interesting stories. And we're also going to give you ideas to create the most unique landscape for you and possibly your family. And it's spring. Yay. Yeah, it thank is spring. God. It is so amazing. I mean, actually, a week and a half ago, we're in Northern California in Sacramento. It hailed to the point, all hailed the king. Um, it looked like snow. So four days before that, we have 70 degree weather. Then it hailed. And now we're back into 70 degree weather. Yes, yes. In fact, um, Roberta sent me a picture and her front yard looked like it was snowing. It did. Yeah, it was amazing. And it stayed until the morning for quite a while. And uh, that was really something, this crazy weather. But um, it is spring and it is time in Northern California and other places, not all other places, to start planting your vegetable garden, your summer garden. Yes. And, and Michael and I want to talk about that. We don't, you know, we've already, we've talked about how, you know, building different boxes and, and other things. But a lot of people are hesitant to put a garden box even in their front yard because they think, oh, it looks so horrible. So we're going to talk about how to how to plant vegetables and herbs and flowers and make it really beautiful. Absolutely. And in fact, I just planted last Saturday, I went to the farmer's market and we bought our tomatoes and we're mixing it with flowers. Um all sorts of different uh, blooming annuals um, so that it's not just a vegetable garden and it's not just a flower garden, but it's a flower and vegetable garden. And I, one thing I want to talk about, <clears throat> I went online to get a chart of what's called companion planting. And companion planting is what it says. You're planting vegetables and flowers and different vegetables um, where they are companions and they sort of help each other. And, um, you just mentioned flowers, and on here, on this site, this is the burpee site, things like beets to bush beans, cabbage, carrots, celery, chard, corn, they like to be planted with marigolds because it says it deters the Mexican bean beetles. Ah. And, you know, if you go on and look at these guides and start planting things that like each other and help each other, your garden is going to be um, a lot healthier. Right. And it's almost like a plant marriage. Um, I planted nasturtiums mainly because they also help in the garden. They attract bees, but they're also edible and they're really pretty and they trail. They are pretty. I put them in um, a couple months ago and they're blooming. And, and here it says that nasturtium and rosemary deter bean beetles. Summer savory deters bean beetles and improves growth and flavor. So um, it's really worth checking out. And marigolds are, are lovely. I uh, love that. That's they're, great. They're, they're beautiful. And nasturtiums are beautiful. You know, my um, my ex-mother-in-law used to pickle the seeds just like capers. Oh, very cool. Very cool. And the flowers, as you know, are beautiful in salads and they are edible. Well, and that's kind of one of the things that I told some of my clients were, um, they said, you know, we want like maybe one or two tomato plants 
but we don't want the whole thing. And, you know, we're, we don't have the time. We don't have the effort. And I said, well, there's nothing wrong with mixing some perennials in with your tomatoes. And, for example, tomatoes need something to climb on. If you do a kind of a nice iron topiary frame so that the that instead of having flowers or having a vine on the topiary frame, you have tomatoes. I mean, you, you kill two birds with one stone you get something dramatic you get something architectural you also have the tomatoes hanging off the the topiary frame and it's architectural yes you can actually grow them on um, metal arches you could walk through an arch of cherry tomatoes which is lovely I, I think that's a great i mean when you think about it i think that's such a neat idea mm -hmm. oh yeah it's wonderful also um you could grow things like loofah sponges and gourds um, on trellises. Those are lovely, too. Right. So, um, I, did, yeah. I saw a picture, um, and I also saw it. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about one of the places, Filoli, and they had planted citrus on a trellis, and um, the, the lemons were hanging down, and it created the shade. And just imagine walking through this vine-covered, well, it's a lemon-covered uh, trellis, and having lemons hang down on your head. I mean, what a cool idea. It's a cool idea. They know what they're doing. Um, yes. And uh, you need to know what you're doing to do that. You know, speaking of lemons here in uh, Northern California, it is almost impossible to get any citrus now from the nurseries. Yes, I was just going to say, did you notice that mm -hmm. it is it's like shocking because of COVID, because of the interest and in, uh, re reemergence of the interest, it is getting very, very difficult to find plant material at the nurseries. And I did the same thing. We went over to our local nursery. It happened to be Green Acres. They're all sold out. They have a, they had a few oranges. That was it. That's it. I, <laughs> I mean, saw it. Wow. I was there yesterday. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, you have to understand that growers, when they sell out of something like citrus, those citrus have been growing there for a few years. You know, you're you're not looking at starts that uh, were started last year and they're ready. Now, it takes a few more years to them to get to the size for um, people to buy them in a nursery. So it's you're talking about if they're if they're out of them and they can't and they can't get them. Right. You're talking about two or three years before you can get them. Yeah, I was. I was absolutely shocked. And, and some of the old standard plants that, you know, we're used to using and they never run out of, you know, going to the nurseries now, um, there's a shortage. In fact, they're, they're really very, uh, it's very scary, you know, as a, as a professional and recommending and, and uh, pulling plants to see what isn't available and what is not going to be available. Right. The other thing is at this time of the year, you most likely will not find your summer perennials. Like you're not going to find echinacea. You're not going to find coreopsis. You're not going to find black eyed Susans because they're just coming back from dormancy and a nursery is not going to sell something that's not blooming. Right. Right. But that doesn't mean it's not coming. It is coming. And I have so many clients uh, looking at their plants, showing me pictures saying, is this dead? Is this dead? No, they're dormant. But they're dormant, yeah, they're just, they're asleep. <laughs> they're asleep. So back to the garden. Um, everything, almost everything, I think, is available. I bought, um, I too bought tomatoes and zucchini and also a couple varieties of my favorite, favorite green bean, which is the Romano or the flat bean. And um, I found that they now come in bush bean as well. It used to be you had to build a trellis, but um, there are regular bush beans. I planted some last year and 
I can't tell you how many pounds of beans I had. They were so wonderful. So um, if you have a garden and you want to grow something that's vining, you you know you don't have to get anything fancy. I you could use bamboo sticks and um, you know put them together uh, vertically and horizontally and make your own trellis. Right, almost, or you can do something like a teepee where like three sticks and then you you uh, bind them together at the top, which would be great. The only thing I uh, last week I tried to get, um, and they said it'll be in in two weeks. Was I tried to get some lemon cucumbers? They didn't have those. Oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't have good success with those last year, so I didn't do cucumbers. You know, um, with the teepee idea, I might have mentioned this before, but if you want to do a really big teepee and you plant hops on that, I'm telling you, you're going to have a solid green teepee. Ooh, so, that's yeah. So for those of you that like to uh, make beer, those are your hops, and they they need something tall to grow on, but it's also really good fun for the kids. That, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So make your garden into something fun and wonderful and don't hesitate to plant um, perennials, annuals as well, but perennials. I uh, I love planting perennials in my garden. And unfortunately, I planted so many, there's not a lot of room for vegetables anymore. <laughs> so question, have you ever done hydroponics? Um, I have not. My father used to. Um, my father has passed away, but my father back in the day would use hydroponics, believe it or not, to grow pot. So very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've never either, but I've, I've been reading a little about it and there still is a big push and a lot of people are, are still, um, love hydroponics. Well, yeah, hydroponics, um, that's, that's where you're, you're growing your vegetables in trays of water and you're adding the chemical fertilizers. Now they could be natural fertilizers. I'm not saying it's, um, not an organic way, but there's no soil involved in that process. And I guess you can, you, um, grow them just about anywhere so that if, if you don't, you know, even on a vertical wall, the hydroponics work. Right. It just takes a, an investment because, um, you need the lighting for that and you need the water flow and you need the, um, you know, you need to add, you know, what you need to add to make the plant grow. But if you go to the grocery store every once in a while, you'll find heads of different kinds of butter lettuce, um, in these plastic cartons. And if you turn them over, you're looking at the whole root ball. Those are hydroponically grown. I didn't know that. Didn't know I that. I didn't know that. That that's really fascinating. I always see those, and in fact, it, um, I bought those several times. And I've always wondered, you know, did they just rip them out of the ground? But uh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, see? other products. Yeah, see, we're teaching each other things. And um, also, in other countries that have brutal winters, they have greenhouses. And you're right; they are growing um, these plants hydroponically on vertical. Um, well, they're like vertical walls, but they produce massive amounts. So, you know, here we've, we've got these farming techniques here in uh, California and I'm sure across the United States of them farming and farming and farming and depleting the soil. But there are so many other ways that you can grow vegetables without really damaging the environment. And hydroponics is one. That's very cool. Yeah. So anyway, so with with planting and all these starts available, the number one thing you have to have is good soil. Yes. You don't want to put it into nasty soil. And if you have nasty soil, no problem. 
go buy some amendments. If you don't have your own compost pile, which a lot of people don't, and if you don't have your own little vermiculture, which many people do not have, you could buy um, worm castings and you could buy worm tea and you could buy great soil. So mix it in because it's food for your plants. That's exactly what I did. I have a raised horse trough. Um, we don't have a big vegetable garden, but it's eight foot long, two foot high and about two foot wide. Um, and what Roberta was saying is true. What happens is over a season, you kind of start depleting a lot of the nutrients from because it's a it's a closed system. It's not like it's pulling stuff from the ground because it's, it's a closed system. So what I did over the winter time was I didn't grow any winter vegetables. I actually took two big bags of worm castings, threw it in there, mixed it in there and kind of let the ground the ground stay fallow. There were a little bit, there were some flowers that I kind of mixed under, under and just let it spend most of the winter time, just kind of developing new nutrients um, and with the worm castings before I planted the new vegetables. Mm -hmm. Well, um when you really get into vegetable gardening, what most people do or have to do is rotate your beds each year. Because if you planted tomatoes in one bed, they are heavy feeders. They're going to they're gonna eat everything in there. And so if you don't amend that soil and then you plant new plants, they, they're, they just don't have the minerals um, that are needed. So having compost or um, in the fall, chopping up the leaves and adding it to the soil, these, these bring micronutrients into the soil and it's really important. So soil is number one. I think we mentioned this last time we spoke, but if you haven't seen the movie Kiss the Ground with Woody Harrelson uh, narrates, it is fabulous, it is scientific and it's about the soil and that's where everything starts and ends. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and you need to be very conscious. In fact, they were in in our area. They're talking about because we've gotten some rain, but not a lot of rain and the snow levels are down that they're they're not going to actually officially this year call a drought, but they are going to start restricting water amounts and water usage. And so um, having the most efficient way of a watering be um uh, growing things make sense so that you're not throwing water in there and watching it roll off and your planting beds aren't just um, being depleted because everything is rolling off of them. Uh, makes sense. I mean, in today's world, we have to be really cognizant of um, saving water, saving soil, saving uh, any sort of uh, resources. Mm -hmm. Well, I have clients that collect the rain, whatever rain we got. That's the problem in Northern California here where we're at is um, – uh, rain harvesting is what it's called is um, very difficult because we only get rain at one time of year and and this year we didn't get very much so if you're counting on rainwater storage you have to have a big storage to collect it when it does come but um, if you have collected that you could you know these barrels have hose connections and you could water your garden with that water but um, any any other type of system is going to need pressure. And if you do a drip system, it's very easy. So many people are daunted by a drip system, but you could buy a little electric clock 
um, that screws onto your hose. You can get a hose splitter and have your hose on one side and a little battery operated drip clock and run a little what I call laser line. It's a drip line with the, with the um, drip emitters inside. And it's, a, and it's a great way to water your garden. You just make a, a grid back and forth, back and forth, a few inches apart, and then um, plant your vegetables. You'll have to stake it down. But don't be daunted and do ask questions because at these garden centers, that's what the people are there for. They want to help you get um, the supplies you need and how to use them. That's so, a great idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's what I use at my um, community garden bed. I have the little clock um, and uh, a laser drip, and it's wonderful. I, I get great, great stuff. And I, too, have already added compost and worm casting. I'm going to add a little bit more. I have some dried horse manure um, and wood chips that are going to go in uh, before my tomatoes because again tomatoes are big eaters they would be like the big guy that showed up at dinner so you got to give them a lot of food and don't hesitate to buy the natural forms of uh, vegetable food they have it for tomatoes and um you know you just want to stay away from non-organic things like our favorite not my favorite but a lot of people's miracle grow right um, with um, chemicals because there's a uh, wonderful alter alternatives and anything that you put on your crop that is um, a more chemical and non-organic is going to end up in your body when you eat your vegetables. So, which yeah, we're, we're trying to be, um, we're trying the whole idea of being healthy and sustainable, and um, poisoning yourself doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's funny that um, people are loath to spend a few more dollars for organics, and yet they will just turn over the cash when they're sick, you know, for meds, but. Growing organic is a great thing to do and growing organically vegetables with herbs and flowers makes a beautiful, beautiful garden. I mean, it's just lovely to look at. And if you grow sunflowers, now one thing about sunflowers is uh, the slugs and snails love them too. So you have to be careful and make sure, you know, put some crushed up eggshells around them and let them grow. But once they get big, and I'm talking 10 feet, right? You know, them dry like that the birds love the sunflower seeds in the middle well you know it also is is kind of amazing um artichokes are this in the thistle family mm -hmm. and most of us pick the artichoke before it goes to flower but if you happen to forget or you're out of town or if it does um you'll be amazed to see the 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 beauty of the artichoke flower it's this beautiful gorgeous purple thistle and as i said people don't realize but artichokes are in the thistle family and they do flower and they're pretty amazing they're beautiful i've i've photographed them in each stage and put it together like a collage and it's it's they are really beautiful and you can um once they bloom you can use them as cutting flowers as well you could hang them up and dry them and have them in dried arrangements they're they're really beautiful and you know also we've talked about this before but things like lavender things like uh, status or um, limonium and i even take the flowers off of the lamb's ear and turn them upside down they make great dry flowers yes and, they do they yeah do. so if you want to make a wreath or something you could just do it straight from your garden and it it feels really good and they're they're really beautiful yeah, I like that idea. Also, just keep in mind that in addition, if you're saying I'm not really into that many vegetables, but I do like I like kind of the wildflower look, lupins and poppies are right now in full bloom and they are amazing. They are 
You want to keep the poppies, though, in certain beds because they will propagate. And when they're done looking beautiful, they look like weeds. Yes, yes, that's true. And you have that's to clear them out. And as you clear them out, you scatter their seeds everywhere. So there are there are state flower and they really are beautiful. But if you don't want them everywhere, because you will have to clean them up afterwards, um, be careful of where you plant them. And lupins, they used to grow wild in the hills down in Southern California. That's where we're both from. But um, I once bought this gorgeous one in bloom, planted it, and the next day a slug had eaten right through the stem, and it was yeah. just over. Oh. I, you know, what's funny is I, they happen to be some of my most favorite uh, flowers, the lupin, and the, the native ones and the naturalized ones are amazing. I've tried some of the hybridized ones, and yes, they're beautiful. I've never had a lot of success with them. They don't seem to be as hardy as the native ones. Right. They're hybridized sort of like um, tulips. So unless you buy the naturalized tulips, you're not you might get tulips a year or two later from the same bulb. But um, after a while, they kind of punk out. But the naturalized ones, you'll have them year after year, um, just like um, daffodils. But yeah. there are things when they hybridize that they just don't reproduce. And I think there's method in that madness. So. Right. Yeah, I'm sure that to keep people buying. And for people that don't understand, I mean, a lot of times the nurseries will take an old standard and because it was popular once um, and but they have certain traits that they want to change. And so they'll breed them and hybridize them and they'll they'll change their their structure so that like something that may have a like um, Nandina originally, it's a heavenly bamboo used to get to six feet. Some of the hybridized um, sports of them now now max out at 18 inches to two feet mm -hmm. um, there. You'll find that some of the hybridized um, new plants are not as hardy as the original. Some are, but a lot of the hybridized ones, because they, I think they've, they've um, rebred them and reworked them, um, I found that they're not as hardy as the original parent uh, plant that they're coming from. Right. But when you're planting annuals like vegetables and herbs, you don't have to worry about that because annual means once, once right. a year. And that's what most vegetables, not all of them. I mean, there are artichokes and other things that go on and your herbs mainly will go on except for things like um, basil. Um, but mint, oregano, thyme, these are perennials that will you'll always have. Um, parsley, I've had parsley going for a couple of months. It's full and thick and beautiful. And the first time I saw it interplanted um, with, uh, I think it was Gaillardia, was in England at um, the Great Dixter, one of my favorite gardens that was um, originally designed by Gertrude Jekyll. Yes. Um, and um, I, the combination was so fabulous. So like regular parsley with Gaillardia, which is blanket flower, is just a beautiful combination. So don't hesitate to combine your flowers, your herbs, and your vegetables. I like that idea. And chives also make, um, when chives are blooming, they're yeah. absolutely beautiful they are beautiful and they're edible the the flowers are edible as well and they taste lovely and so is um garlic society garlic those are edible as well and and they, those are perennial plants so those society garlic is not planting garlic to harvest and cook with it's different but it's in the same family and the flowers do smell like gar um, garlic and they do taste like garlic so um the other thing is you got to be careful you don't want to plant like a hundred uh, society garlic around your dining area outside or else you're you're gonna be smelling garlic 
Or so, people, some people say it smells, I don't. I like the smell of garlic, but a lot of people, um, I've had clients that say it reminds them of skunk, which. Oh, yeah, it could. I guess so. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah well, herbs, um, herbs are wonderful to have in the garden for all kinds of reasons. I have lemon balm as, I mean, I have a lot of herbs, but my lemon balm decided to up and take itself all over my yard. And, and I'm okay with that because when it's, when it's fresh, if you pick that fresh and you put it in a cup of hot water, you're going to have a delicious tea that's also an herbal tonic. So almost anything that you grow herbally, and you should check it out. But like yep. chamomile are, are beautiful flowers. And, you know, chamomile tea, it makes a delicious tea. Mint makes a delicious tea. You're going to get it fresher than anything that you can buy in the store if you grow it yourself. I agree, and, and mint is wonderful, and especially there's a really good recipe. You can grow mint. You add it with watermelon and a little bit of feta cheese, and uh, oh, my God, what a good salad. Love that. Love that. Um, I have uh, lemon verbena as well, and so and I also have pineapple sage. And when I take the lemon balm, the lemon verbena, and the pineapple sage, You've got this delicious tea. And uh, when I have a lot of it at the end of the season, I will um, cut it, turn it upside down, and dry it, then put it in individual packets to give out as Christmas presents. It's really nice from my garden to yours. What a great idea. Yeah. So you've given lots of good ideas. We have. We have. And I hope that everyone's... Uh, if, if it's like last year, there's a lot of you out there um, getting ready and putting your gardens in because last year was a banner year for vegetable gardens um, in the United States. I think growers had a hard time uh, keeping them in stock and nurseries had a hard time bringing them in. So um, I know now in our local nurseries, there are they're bringing in all sorts of varieties of, of every different plant. So you're not stuck with the same old, same old, and you might want to try something new. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, happy gardening. Happy gardening. And next week, maybe we can talk uh, we can more recipes and also talk a little about hardscapes. Yep. Hardscapes, which are important too. getting to and from your garden is important and getting to and from anywhere else is important, too. So we'll talk about all the different types of hardscapes and uh, talk a little bit about what it takes to get them in and also the cost of all of them. Not exact cost, but, you know, what, which is the cheapest on to the most expensive. I think that's a great idea. So yeah. I'm Michael Glassman. And I'm Roberta Walker. And we are Indeed. Thank you for joining us.